Welcome to Podcast Sans Frontiers, a Metal Gear Solid audio experience. Here, we infiltrate the narrative, interrogate the characters, extract the themes, via Fulton, of course, and finally face down the technological behemoth that is the Metal Gear franchise. Good morning, Metal Gear Nation. I'm Manu, also known as Manuclear Bomb. Today's episode is The Shane Smith Simulation, where we'll welcome a stalwart of the Metal Gear community, Shane Smith. But first, our spoiler warning for this and every episode. Everything is declassified. We know who Sigint becomes. We know who Meryl marries. We know the fate of Master Kazuhiro Miller. This is not a playthrough podcast. It's all on the table for discussion as we progress through the games. And uh, we have stretch goals over at patreon.com slash manuclearbomb um, that will allow us to cover both the Matrix Resurrections, which is due out shortly, or will probably be out when you hear this, and also other of Kojima's favorite films. But today is a special episode because we are welcoming a guest. Uh, Shane Smith, please introduce yourself. And I hope I'm saying your name right. I should have asked you before <laughs> we started recording. You are. It's My, my name is Shane Smith. Uh, I like to introduce myself as somewhat of a Metal Gear hot girl. Um, I am a huge super fan Metal Gear historian that is mostly found on Twitter. And I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to have a great conversation starting in a minute. So we will start off with the basics. Can you tell us a little bit about your meet cute with Metal Gear and your history with the franchise since then? So it's, I think I've told this story like a million times already. My meet cute, which I've never really heard that. I see that phrase everywhere. I don't know what it means. I guess it just is like your beginnings, right? Yeah, I think it's a rom-com term, like specifically when the protagonists, like usually a heterosexual couple first encounter each other. Uh, um, uh, That's referred to as a meet cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my meet cute would be when I was six, um, my dad bought, he took like a week off of work, but he got Metal Gear Solid for Christmas around that time. And he played that game for a week straight. I was six years old and I was sitting in the um, family room and that's when I heard my first curse word in a video game. And at that, at that moment in time in my life, I always thought that like video games were for children because all the games I played were like, you know, nothing like Spyro, like, you know, just like mm-hmm. the basics. And, um, uh, I heard a, I heard him say like, damn at the, the communications <laughs> tower. And I was just like, shoot my head up. And I was like, Oh my God. I'm going to die. Like I thought it was like the worst thing ever. But because of that, I couldn't keep my eyes off the screen anymore. And that was like my beginnings with Metal Gear was Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, no, uh, I was a little bit older when I first encountered Metal Gear Solid. I think I was about 14 or 15, but still hearing swears and like legitimate voice acting and adult themes was still kind of foreign to me because I was still mostly in the Mario and Zelda world of stuff. Yeah. Um, so to have like true, like 
felt like an adult video game, even though it is definitely, you know, I was a teen playing it. Uh, so it definitely stuck out. And I assume shortly thereafter you continued with the franchise or yeah, uh, for, kept up with it? I kept up with it up until Metal Gear Solid 3. When Metal Gear Solid 3 came out, I didn't get it right away. Uh, it was like, you know, family money situation, right? Like just the basic mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. growing up. And I did eventually catch up with it when Metal Gear Solid 4 came out. And that's I played that uh, with my dad. And yeah, it's just... Over time, I've eventually, I was lucky enough to like, as time progressed to play every single one of them in a release order. Uh, and I was very fortunate when Metal Gear Solid V came out. I had already had my children by that time. And it was kind of like a surreal experience, uh, sitting on my recliner chair that I had at the time that is now gone, my poor recliner chair. Uh, having my son who was like, five months old laying on my my lap and playing that game and then i thought about six-year-old me watching these games and it was just yeah i'm very blessed to have played this this entire franchise all the way through oh no that that sounds great especially the connection to family first playing it or watching it under your dad and then you getting to experience it with your son so um that's really great i really love that um, do you have a favorite, uh, both game and character from the series overall? So my favorite game is actually Metal Gear Solid 4 because it wrapped up everything. I think it explained a lot of things well. Uh, shout out to Nitroid, who absolutely fucking hates this game. But mm-hmm, <laughs> I, I've heard him on uh, the Kojima <laughs> frequency on it. I, I like to tease him about it a little bit, and I can understand why he doesn't like it. But 4 is just so emotionally, like... It emotionally resonates with me. Everything, every character, every moment is extremely precious and important to me. And I think it wrapped up everything very, very well. My second favorite would have to be Peace Walker. And I made a tweet recently that was like, all roads lead back to Peace Walker because like everything that happens in these games, you can link it back to that one game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty good. Uh, my favorite character would absolutely have to be, I don't want to say Solid Snake because I feel like everybody's favorite is Solid Snake. That's kind of like your free space character. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, but it's definitely Ocelot, mostly because it's just how smug he is. We just got done with our Ocelot episode on my podcast and I literally was struggling, was like, what can I even say about this guy? Like, all you know is face value, which I love. I love that. Like, he gives you just enough and um his entire character in Metal Gear Solid 3 was just kind of endearing in a way cuz it's like it's, it's his beginnings and he's he's aloof and he's just figuring himself out and to see him all the way up into 4 when he becomes like this megalomaniac and but but he also had like a secret agenda to end the patriots on top of it it's just you can't write somebody better i think ocelot is pretty damn good yeah no i think that's great and ocelot's one of the few characters i don't i don't know how many but like he gets to there's so many distinct yet connected iterations of him between josh keaton's performance in mgs3 or zimmerman in mgs4 or troy baker in mgs uh, b like we get to see different iterations um of him and kind of out of order in a way so it's really fun kind of piecing together his entire story um it, it is a lot of fun. And I want to make a note to our listeners. I did not 
um, bribe Shane to say her two <laughs> favorites were MGS4 and Peace Walker, which this episode is landing right in between our coverage of MGS4 and Peace Walker. It just happened but, to be that way. Yeah. Um, I, I love both. I love every Metal Gear game or at least every Metal Gear Solid game. And, uh, like, I'm really excited. I think revisiting for this time, um, we did definitely have some nitpicks and complaints, but it's still just such a rewarding emotional experience. Yeah. I, um, I'm, I think I'm the same way where it's like, I can definitely pick out a big barrel of things like this game sucks here. All of act three sucks. You know, like it's stuff like that mm-hmm. where like I can criticize for, but I still love for. Yeah. We got a listener email early on talking about the reason she loved MGS4, our friend Cassie, was because of all the relationships that are, you know, present and lived in in that game and that call back to the three previous games or even back to the MSX era. Mm-hmm. And it really helped frame my analysis and my viewpoint going forward is like, yeah, this really is about like, Solid Snake and Otacon at this nexus or the middle of the spider web of all these connections uh, between these characters, these people, between the times, um, stretching all the way back to the beginning of the Cold War to 2014 and Metal Gear Solid 4. So um, I think that framing and the emotionality of it is what makes that game still resonate, um, even though it's kind of considered a little bit of like, you know, maybe one of the lesser of the solid entry. But I I don't know if I (laughs) agree with that or even a lesser Metal Gear Solid game is still a great great game and great story anyways so yeah even the um, like the spin-offs which the only spin-off that is like pseudo canon would be portable ops but like even the spin-offs have great story elements to them mm-hmm. and i think portable ops even though like the gameplay is kind of ass i think the, <laughs> i think the story is amazing so we'll segue into our next question which is you know really when I, you know, poke you on your favorite character and your favorite game is really to ask why Metal Gear Solid has resonated with you. And, you know, you're, I, I would consider a big part of the online or at least Twitter community. Um, you're one of the, you know, kind of focal points. People like look for your tweets. I look for your tweets most days. Mm-hmm. Um, so like kind of what is it about Metal Gear Solid that makes you, you know, kind of, make other Metal Gear content. You mentioned your podcast, Shadow Moses Cafe, which we'll talk about in a little bit, mm-hmm. but you've also been tweeting. Um, you've gotten, you know, various voice actors to say, good morning, Metal Gear Nation. <laughs> um, you know, wh- 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 what is the why behind all that? What- what's going on? The why is mostly because I love community. Um, I'm thinking about my my answer. So... I love how everybody give me a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, please take your time. Um So it's basically because I love this community. Everybody is so nice. I understand like every community has a few bad apples. You don't really see I have at least I haven't and I haven't seen as many like or at all like bad apples that try to ruin it for everybody else in Metal Gear and because of that I think it's because, you know, like, not to, like, segue too hard, but, you know, the Pikmin fandom is, like, starving right now, right? (laughs) And I keep seeing posts from their Reddit where it's, like, they're just making the craziest stuff. And it's kind of the same thing that happened in Metal Gear because we're starving. There's nothing going on. And other than recent events, which Konami Shop, right? Konami Shop recently came out and they had some Metal Gear drops. Um, Mm -hmm. Other than that, there's been nothing Oh, and Bomberman, Super Bomberman Online R. Yes, yes, we love that. Um, Because they put Snake in that. Um, 
Other than that, we're starving. And I don't want to put myself on a pedestal here. I don't. So I don't want anybody to listen to this and be like, oh, she's got a big head because I don't. But I saw the need for just content. I saw the need for content. And I did. I'm doing the best I can to like give back. So and this makes it sound like I'm using voice actors and and all that stuff. But I'm doing my best to like become friends with them and like kind of network with them because in my heart of hearts, I don't think Metal Gear is over. Um, and this is complete whimsical hoping, but I feel it in my bones that Metal Gear isn't over yet. And I want to get almost people ready for when we get news. I mean, look what happened with Splinter Cell. People thought Splinter mm-hmm. Cell was completely over. And well, looky here, we're getting a remake soon. Not saying that that's going to happen for Metal Gear, but at the same time, I don't Again, I don't want to like make myself sound like, you know, I'm this super important person, but I would love it if we do get Metal Gear news for anything and I was there to help hype people up. And I think that's what's important to me is like people get excited for things that are realistic, a a Metal Gear Nation voice actor post, um, the novel translations that I'm trying to do, um, for books that we didn't get here in the West, like something that you can actually have tangible and nothing that is pure speculation. I'm sure you know that I hate rumor mill posts mm-hmm, with a passion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm almost killing myself to make something that people can be like, this is a real thing that happened that got me excited and made me happy to be in the Metal Gear community. And I think because of that, Metal Gear is super important to me because of the themes of family and connectedness. I can emulate that in real life with the community on Twitter. And I'm an old woman. I'm almost 30. (laughs) I know that's not super old, but like I'm pushing 30 and I don't really want to make a Reddit account. I don't want to, I don't want to make a Facebook account. So Twitter is literally the only place you can find me online. Um, and I'm doing my best I can there to like make it a good place for Metal Gear people. Yeah, and you really do. Um, something you had me thinking about is the fact that Metal Gear Solid, um, at least as a going video game concern at the moment, is kind of dead, or at least you know very much. It is. Uh, I don't want to like go around the beat around the bush. It's dead. It's uh, kept alive on nano machines, but just barely, basically. Yeah, it's a um, biomart. Uh, so I think someone once said something about uh, fighting for the future and keeping the past alive are one and the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we theoretically will get a Metal Gear Solid movie at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if that has any modicum of success, whether critical or commercial, it'd be hard to imagine that we don't get something out of that as well, whether it's a remake of an older Metal Gear game or someone else trying to, you know, pick up the story, I mean, there's a million ways a new Metal you, Gear game could exist. But. You are completely right, only because the Splinter Cell animated TV show is coming out on Netflix soon as well. And that's why I made mm. that tweet the other day where I was like, Splinter, Splinter Cell fans be like, and it's that person like eating like all this food because they're getting fed soon. They're getting a remake. They're getting a show. And what else Ubisoft is probably going to do? You know Ubisoft. They they love to make money. They're, they're the only company I know where it's like, <laughs> you guys are sitting on money. And they're like, you're right. And then they make something. <laughs> and um, But with the movie, 
I am excited about the movie, uh, mostly because it's just Metal Gear. I'm going to watch it 50 million times and tear it apart mm-hmm. when it comes out. Um, but I think when it comes to Metal Gear, and of course Konami at its core, we have to remember Konami is a business, and they're not going to see the the community want and need for a Metal Gear game just because a movie is coming out. They're going to, it's going to be business as usual with them. And unless they, unless the box office, like before, like proceedings, like, you know, like they have to promote the movie and then, then, and then there's the pre-ticket sales. Like unless those pre-ticket sales are not fucking soaring, I don't think Konami's going to like bat an eye to it. Yeah, that's, I think, the unfortunate truth uh, to it. Uh, and um, you mentioned uh, in your um, kind of why Metal Gear resonates to you that you've, you know, worked on novelizations and, um, you you know, you're uh, a Metal Gear historian is the title I like to give you. Um, can you talk about, like, what that means and what you've worked on and how that's, you know, led you further into the Metal Gear Solid rabbit hole? So I like to call myself a Metal Gear Solid historian um, mostly because... I can sit here and tell you front to back, side to side, start to finish the entire story of Metal Gear Solid. And I busted my ass to be able to make sure I could say that. Um, I've spent hours and hours and hours, days and days and days, not as much as most people and some other people that are also historians as well as me. Um, But I've spent a good portion of my life playing these games, watching these games, uh, listening to the tapes, pretty much like every, you know, those like Metal Gear Solid movies on YouTube. I put those on to clean my house and just like listen to it. Mm -hmm. Like I always have Metal Gear Solid on. I actually have it on my TV right now on mute. And uh, as I'm talking with you today and it's, it's never not playing in the house. Um, I went to the gym. I don't know if you've seen my gym post where it's like, I'm at the gym right now and I'm always listening to like Metal Gear Solid music or I'm listening to a podcast and, um, yeah, I, I like to call myself a historian because you, you give me a question, I can answer it. And this also ties in with the, and I'm confident in, in me saying that, um, this also ties into the work I'm doing with the novels, which is the Nojima novels that came out when Metal Gear Solid V was coming out, which is Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and Metal Gear Solid V novels. There's also the, um, Snake Eater novel, Peace Walker novel uh, that are also out um, that in Japanese that we did not get here in the West. But right now I'm working on Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain. And I just got done with Section 3, Chapter 13. And that's only a quarter of the way in the book. And I don't know if you've seen the thread, but it's long. Like we've got a, oh, yeah, I have. We've got a while to go. And <laughs> that kicks my ass. But I just recently found out and and this is why I would like to also call myself a historian is like I like to find out stuff that's in the novel which were commissioned by Kojima which I take as canon and when I trans I'm currently reading through the next chapter chapter 14 um and it's the Huey torture scene you love to see it and um come to find out the the because when you get the tapes right they just they just give them to you there's no timeline they're just given to you you assume like when you get the tape that's when it happened however in the novel it comes to find out that it's the torture cut scene and then it's the genetic research tape 
And then it was Huey's nine years. So it's like this, this, and this. And like you get Huey's nine years and then you get the genetic research tape after like in a tape next to that after that in the game. But you're never told like when these tapes were made. Um, also Leonard, who's a pivotal character in the book, who's not in the game is actually the character that writes your, um, mission statements. Pretty much like the tapes you listen to before the mission starts. Uh, Leonard is like writing all of these reports, but he's only in the book and not in the game. And it's stuff like that where it's like, I would, I love to like find shit like this that, and, and bitch and moan that we don't get it here in the West. Um, and then just, just give it to people. And I, and for free, might, might I add you without, I, I know that there's like, I'm stammering a lot and I really apologize, but. Oh, you're okay. Um, I don't accept any money for the work I'm doing because I know Konami is probably watching me with like a very, very careful eye the second I start getting paid to do this translation because they're going to make me take it down and take me to court. So everything I'm doing is completely for free. I put it straight up on Pastebin and whatever people do with it, that's what they want to do with it. And um, I don't know if I should talk about it because it's like kind of like drama, but it was the MGSV... um, the leaked script thing that happened that only like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like only a handful of people got this leaked script because somebody at Konami couldn't keep their mouth shut and just gave it to somebody who gave it to somebody else. And they're like, well, we don't want to get this guy in trouble. And I said, well, you should have thought about that before I got my hands on it and I released it. And so (laughs) I don't think I should have done that. But at the same time, I hate it when information is gatekept. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I released it and we, I combed through it in like a five hour long Twitter space. Um, and it's, it's, it's stuff like that that makes me happy to say that I'm a historian because I like figuring stuff out in the novel. I like sharing it with people and I love seeing other people's like comments and speculations when chapters come out or when we went through the script. Like that was almost like a mini renaissance. People were talking about it for weeks and it's stuff like that, that gets me excited to, to keep going, to find more stuff. Yeah. I don't want to presume what, uh, Kojima would think about all this, but I just finished reading, um, the creative gene, which is a collection of his essays, um, over the last couple decades. And it's very much him talking about the importance of passing on stories and memes. Mm. Um, that's how we keep things alive. And I think in a way you're honoring that Metal Gear Solid legacy by you're not trying to hold back this information or create context for other people or however you want to phrase it. Um, this is about, you know, making sure as many people reach this who want to, you know, read this stuff or, you know, access it in whatever way. Um, I think that's great. And I think that's such a valuable, um, service to the community, but I think it's also true to like the message and, you know, the premise of Metal Gear Solid. So I think that's, that's all very fantastic. I'm, I'm glad you do it. I do remember when that <laughs> week script job, um, it's hard to say there's like, you know, these like nuclear days on in Metal Gear fandom these days, yeah. but that was one of the few where it felt like, oh, everyone's commenting on this. Everyone has a take. Everyone wants to hear more. Um, so it's, it was great to have that moment, you know, when we're six years deprived from the latest, you know, real game, uh, so to speak. So that, that was a highlight of this year. Yeah. It was like what near the end of the summer, Some, of somewhere around there, somewhere on the end of the summer, like the beginnings of the school year. I want to say like when my kids were just starting school. 
And um, yeah, it's important to me to present facts. I said it, I've said this a million times, but I'm completely lore based. I know a lot of like, there's a lot of like popular fandom content where it's like people want to think this happened, this, where this, that, this, this, and that. Um, but if it wasn't presented 100% as I'm relaying it, I'm not relaying it. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I, I think that totally makes sense. So um, you mentioned this earlier, but good morning, Metal Gear Nation. Good morning, is, Metal Gear Nation. <laughs> there it is. Um, it's one of my favorite parts of uh, Metal Gear Twitter. Um, so every day you put up a good morning Metal Gear Nation tweet that's usually coupled with a picture, but you also get sound bites and you've gotten uh, members of the voice cast to participate. So mm-hmm. uh, can you tell a little bit about uh, when this started uh, and, you know, kind of why you decided to uh, decide to do this? And then I don't know if you can speak to why it became such a fun part of the Twitter <laughs> community for Metal Gear Solid, but, you know, have a shot at it if you can. I So it was kind of like lightning in a bottle shot in the dark about a year and a quarter year and a quarter ago right um we're almost coming up to a year and a half of good morning metal gear nation and just one day i decided and yeah one day i just decided to tweet out good morning metal gear nation in the morning and i have not stopped since and that first metal gear nation post i found it recently and it was from a year ago um or at least yeah from 2020 um i found it and that that post only had like six likes on it. Right. And so like almost every good morning metal gear nation post I post now gets at least over 200. And it's, it tickles me that people wait for this post like, and say hi to me every morning. Um, I did this because I kept doing it. I should say, because people have told me in DMS or just straight up in spaces they are like, I look forward to this every morning. Like, I feel like I can't start my morning unless I see Good Morning Metal Gear Nation. And because of that, and I'm not saying this because, like, you know, these people rely on me for this. I can't stop now. Like, I feel like I cannot stop. And I love that. Um, I love that I'm doing something that people are looking forward to. And that's when I had kind of, like, the idea. I was like, you know what? Wouldn't it be cool if I got the characters to say this and many of the character, many of the voice actors that voice these characters were on cameo. Um, this is the part where I say I'm extremely fortunate to be wealthy. Uh, I spent over $1,500 to get that good morning metal gear nation video out. Wow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I think the first one that I think uh, the Christopher Randolph one was the first one I came across with the actual voice actor ones. But you have, you know, kind of run the gauntlet a little bit of all the voice cast and uh, some of the pictures are hilarious. I know sometimes you just take, oh, this is official artwork, whether, you know, Yoji Shinkawa or like a, a rendering from one of the games. But I think one of your recent ones was... um think it was naked snake maybe it was solid but it was him with um like the tanuki uh the raccoon ears yeah, and the tail the super smash um, and, like brothers. a sexy pose yeah the super yeah, smash yeah, brothers yeah. and then the one yeah i haven't posted the other one the one with his like he's on his like belly and his ass is all out oh my god that that took over the fucking timeline for like three days straight but the tanuki super smash brothers snake snake and stein who is like my favorite um that was a pretty good one. Uh, I found that one actually on Google. A lot of my pictures I find on Google, but recently I've been going into the games and taking screenshots myself. Also, I make a lot of GIFs myself. I posted a GIF this morning of Solid Snake getting out of his handcuffs 
And I made that gift myself. Um, and my Shinkawa Good Morning Metal Gear Nations do extremely well. Everybody loves Yoji Shinkawa's work. He's extremely influential to me. Um, he's actually one of the reasons I started drawing because I was so obsessed with how he does his brushwork. Um, and he's the reason I got into Zone of the Enders when I was a kid. I was like obsessed with orbital frames when I was a, when I was a child, but his artwork of, you know, Jehudi is so good. I, I love him. Yeah. Um, while we're on the topic, you do, um, I don't know if I'd call it a challenge, but you do these like, you know, draw a metal gear thing, uh, kind of regularly. Um, can you talk about that? I think, um, I'm saying this as I stare at your discord logo, which is uh MSX era solid snake. <laughs> um, and I know you recently drew him and uh, posted that on Twitter. Yeah. Um, can you talk about like how it's influenced, like making art or, you know, just drawings and stuff like that? Yeah. I started drawing like about 20 years ago. No. Yeah. Somewhere around there about 20 years ago, I started drawing and obviously it didn't start out as serious, but over time I got better. Um, I mainly make metal gear solid art now and I had come across the cards that are in the MSX cartridges for Metal Gear, right? And some of these are so cute. The way they drew Solid Snake was so adorable. I was obsessed. And it was that one card where he's like holding the gun with his finger on it and everything. And I just out of the blue was like, everybody should redraw this. And people were doing it. And so I pretty much retweeted almost every single picture that people redrew of it. Um, and it's stuff like that. It's like, you know, community stuff where it's like, Hey, let's do this. I think this will be fun. Um, I kind of want to do another one of those, like just get pictures of all the cards and like do a redraw. And oh, I think that'd be fun. Yeah. I think it'd be a good community thing and people get art out of it and see some really nice art. You're a man. Hmm. So in our own coverage over here at Podcast Sounds Frontiers, we do spend a lot of time talking about Metal Gear Solid as it relates to masculinity, hyper-masculinity, at least an outward aesthetic, but then often underneath that there's tenderness, um, a critique of masculinity, and some femininity that we really appreciate. Um, we see this tackled from several characters' point of view, whether it's Raiden or the boss or, you know, name whoever you want. Naked Snake um, but- or, so- or Big Boss, definitely. Big Boss is one mm-hmm. of the... And Naked Snake, both of them. Yeah. Yeah, when you think about um, the fact that we, you know, really, especially in Peace Walker, get to see Big Boss cry. Mm. Um, and, you know, he's on his path to war criminality. <laughs> um, so it's not like he's like, oh, the soft, sweet boy. But also it's like he's a character that can actively engage in things that are at least coded as femininity. Also, I don't agree with the binary and all that. Yeah, but. also like decorating his body, even though it was the it was a tool to get out of prison, but he had it like decorated on his body in the shape of a snake like like the boss in Peace Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh stuff like that where it's like even Strange Love comments on it like this is rather feminine of you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly right. Um, and unfortunately, our podcast has, you know, me and Brian are two cis men and our guests up until this point have been just cis men, mm. which doesn't really represent the breadth of Metal Gear fans, which includes just as many women, uh, nine, non-binary folks, as well as queer and trans folks. And I know you've seen some of the worst shit men in the Metal Gear fandom can say and do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, you know, want to give you some space to talk about, um, gender politics, both within the game as well as, um, in the community, in the fandom and how it is existing as a woman in Metal Gear spaces. So from the beginnings of Metal Gear, I would, I would say 
not even just the beginning. Actually, yeah, for like Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, I would say up to na- like where it is now. Um, these games are horribly taken by the times, which is ironic because, you know, a lot of these games tackled the times and like um, mostly it's the villains that want to tackle the times while, uh, you know, people like Otacon and Solid Snake were like, the times are always going to be a thing, but we must keep, you know, past and present alive, one and the same. Um, but with gender politics, so it's not a secret that women in Kojima games are not usually treated the best. Um, and it's always almost the men that are seen kind of like in almost in like this back burner way, like it's a blink and you'll miss it unless you're looking out for it. Um, exploring themselves or are being explored through the pros and the actions that they do. Uh, when it comes to women and, and Metal Gear games, characters like, who would I say? See, that's the thing. Who would I say? I mean, I can start listing the women. Yeah, <laughs> you can right? tell me which one. It's like Meryl, Naomi, Sniper Wolf, Quiet, uh, Eva, Has... uh, and the boss. So the boss, it's really where you would have to start with is the boss is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she is such a legend. She's like this hyper, I don't even know what to say here. Hold on. I, I'm. Please take your time. Yeah. I'm like blanking because I honestly don't know where to start with. It's a difficult question. I'm yeah. sorry. No, it's, I, uh... it's okay. I guess I could just say, damn it. I don't honestly know what to say. Hold on. Um, I mean, it, it's a difficult uh, proposition because one thing I've been thinking about just because we talked about this recently in our Lord of the Rings podcast, and I apologize if that's not your thing, but um, so uh, one thing that the Lord of the Rings is known for is the fact that the male characters are allowed to be tender Mm. and uh, display some level of femininity. We see that with like the hobbits or Aragorn and Boromir, but all the women in the Lord of the Rings films are basically coat. They're basically warriors or soldiers or brandishing swords like Eowyn and Arwen. Um, they're allowed to play in the realm of masculinity because that quote unquote makes them cool and badass. Yeah. But then that eschews whatever value they have in the realm of femininity. Like there's this kind of gross scene in one of them where it's just like, Oh, look at how bad of a cook Eowyn is. And she's not like other girls kind of thing. Yeah. I think for the most part, a lot of that holds kind of true in metal gear solid i think it does you know you can look at things like the boss and there's definitely like a motherhood aspect running through her character that allows her to play in the realm of femininity but when we think of the boss as being cool we think about her being a soldier and like the mother of special forces yeah when it comes to the boss and the realm of the boss she gets to play in the role of femininity at the end of three when they talk about her in the tapes which again that kind of pisses me off because a lot of people will not listen especially like the final ava tape right um and peace walker mm-hmm. um if you haven't listened to it look it up on youtube and listen to it that that is that is a listen um the ava tape and peace walker so it's stuff like, you know, her being pregnant with Ocelot, uh, the final ending in, or her ending in Metal Gear Solid 3 when, before she dies and she gets to tell her story and cry because like the, the majority of what we see of the boss is like this cool, stoic, quiet, hardened badass. 
And you would want to say that she's tackling a gender norm here because she's not this blonde haired petite woman that is being a mother to the rest of Grozny grad. She literally walks around and people piss themselves when she walks by because, you know, she's, she's the boss. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you take that with, like I said, with big boss, uh, and he was still just going by snake at the time, but, uh, you would take that with Big Boss and when he was getting tortured by Strange Love and it's the blink and you'll miss it or you might not want to think about it too much about, you know, when he had the jigsaw sewed into him in the shape of the snake because he was trying to emulate. He still like missed and yearned for the boss so much because that was such a mother like figure to him. Um, and it gives off that air of... uh What's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, vulnerability mm-hmm. uh, that you won't that you don't normally see, and and you also have to remember that these are supposed to be presented as big macho war games, which in the times uh, with the other games coming out, like especially around 2010 for Peace Walker, you know, Call of Duty, Battlefield, all that stuff, like big macho games that still had first person or one player campaigns. Uh, but they were, you wouldn't see any shit like that. At least not to my knowledge. I'm sure there's going to be like a COD historian that's going to pop in here and be like, <laughs> well, actually price, you know, you know, like stuff like that. But right, right. with Metal Gear, which was promoted as like a big macho game, like you will fight for outer heaven as big boss and blah, 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 blah. And take who you want. And, you know, when you hear stuff like that, like you will recruit, you will build your base, you will fight and all that stuff. You're not going to think, uh, you're not going to think going in like, oh, maybe I'm going to see this big buff macho guy decorate his body in the memory of his dead mom. Right. Like that's not the, the thought you get. But then when Metal Gear Solid three was also being promoted, where it's like, oh, you go through the jungle, big macho, naked snake, blah, blah, blah. You must defeat the boss and take back blah, 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 blah. Philosopher's legacy, all this stuff, right? Um, you see the boss and this promotion and she's being promoted as, as a big macho tough girl. Like she's, 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 she's a badass. Um, but I'm sad to say at the ending, you kind of saw it coming, right? That she was going to be vulnerable and cry and tell her story you kind of saw it coming. Um, I agree. Where, in, in the sense of Peace Walker, you didn't see that type of femininity coming from a man. It's just because it's not expected. And it's sad to say that it was expected that the boss was going to kind of, you know, show her, I wouldn't say true colors, but at the same time, just show like that, that other side to her that she has like stored away for so long because she can only operate from the mission, right? But the mission was mm-hmm. about to be over. So she she showed that other side of her. Um and that was to be expected. So I don't know where we could go on from here in the future for like how women can be seen in video games that wouldn't be expected. Like, oh, that was so out of left field. I can't believe she would do this. You don't really hear stuff like that. You would say, "Man, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he's actually like this or something like that. Um, 
which you can see in Naked Snake, Solid Snake, all that stuff. Um, yeah. And I would like to see that in the future. But I think that's where it's like where I'm at, where it's like it wasn't expected of Big Boss, but it was expected of the boss. And it's kind of that disparity that I think about. Yeah, I think uh, looking forward to our Peace Walker coverage, uh, me and my co-host Brian, we both said, and we're, again, two cis men, so take what I'm going to say with a grain of salt, but we generally like uh, the women characters that are presented in Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Mm -hmm. Um, We meet Dr. Strangelove, we get Amanda and Cecile. Um, I don't know if I'm missing it. And there's the presence of the boss in there, whether through the AI or her legacy or the fact that her shadow kind of hangs over the entire story. Yeah. Um, so I'm very interested to see that because I think that's also um, when you start seeing like, um, I'm not like a shipper person, but this is where a lot of like the big boss and cause yeah. stuff kind of is born out of. Um, so like sexuality and uh, gender really kind of evolve in a way in metal gear solid peace walker that i really wasn't expecting when i saw that game and i need to like you know replay it again i've beaten it several times because i am you know a metal gear solid person hopefully you have it on um, hard copy because you can't get it on ps now anymore yeah i i I just had to buy um an xbox 360 uh, metal (laughs) gear solid hd collection because i was playing it on ps now for the last several years oh man Um, but it's so sad that's saying like the ending with paz the second ending with paz was pretty good Mm-hmm. I would say yeah. that that's that's the one where you'd be like, man, I can't believe she did that. <laughs> yeah, because you didn't no, expect you didn't expect it the entire time. Yeah, no. So I'm really excited to uh, dig into that. Um, and I don't know. Again, I I, I don't want to preface everything I say with, "Hey, I'm a man, so don't listen to me." Yeah. Um, I mean, you shouldn't listen to me for many reasons, but being <laughs> a man is just one of them. Just because you're um, a man doesn't mean you don't have like valid criticisms and questions and and like statements. It's just like, um, obviously, I'm not going to tell you how to live, but you should definitely listen to uh, especially like transgender and and, um, queer folk that literally love this series probably more than you, probably more than me, because it Mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. just the themes about it. And I'm not trans myself. I am queer. I'm bisexual. But at the same time, like I'm not trans, but I just I just know so many themes about this this entire franchise just resonates so well with them and it's extremely important to them. Uh, I, I think you would be doing yourself a service by like reaching out to any trans person in this community and being like, Oh, like how does this franchise, like what does this franchise mean to you? Like what are the themes that really resonate with you? I think you're going to get like a lot of good information from that. Yeah, no, I, I would absolutely love um, to do that and have them on an episode here. Um, because I do think Metal Gear has, I think Raiden, especially in Metal Gear Solid 2, um, poses some interesting questions about gender because you're spending the whole game comparing him to Solid Snake, yeah. um, who is, you know, like the ubermensch of uh, masculine characters. He is, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, and then another thing I was thinking about is, I, I wouldn't say uh, Metal Gear, you know, the treatment of women characters or say Kojima's, you know, directorial gaze or what, whatever have you has like aged, you know, poorly or well. I'm, I'm not qualified to say that, but I do appreciate now in here in 2021, at least how horny some of the games are and how <laughs> messy it might be a little bit just in the fact that, um, you know, I'm a fan of like, say the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it's a completely sexless kind of pop culture. Um, you know, people are hot, but no one's like, 
there's no like desire or intimacy there. And, you know, the same with Star Wars, um, everything that's and these are, I again, you know, all ages kind of films yeah. versus, you know, Metal Gear Solid, which is, you know, meant to be adult. But it definitely feels like, you know, we have discourse on Twitter every um, so every so often about how do we really need sex scenes in movies? We, are they really? I hate them. You know, I hate them. Necessary. Um, so I think it's, you know. I do look back at Metal Gear. I'm like, at least I'm happy that something at least engages with the idea of gender and sexuality in a way that isn't completely sterile or. Yeah. I um, mean, think about it. What's the, what's the only sex scene in the Metal Gear franchise, which was in three. Right. And mm -hmm. other than that, everything is either implied or it's not in your face completely. Um, and then like you, what will happen with Meryl? That was that was like all psychomantis who's like an entire sex symbol in himself, right? Like just how he's presented mm -hmm. and a lot of stuff is presented, but it's not in your face, which is what I like about metal gear because a lot of people will be like, Oh man, this game's so horny. And it's like, okay, but in which way? Like, and, and then you can say like all these ways, but every single way that you say other than the ending of metal gear solid three, it's more like, it's like, Oh, well this was just presented in that way. That's interpretation, Right. Right. It's like uh Vamp and Raiden like mm -hmm. sticking each other with knives and white blood coming out. Oh my it's, god. It's very sexual, but it's also not sex. Yeah. <laughs> um it's a stand in for it or a proxy for it, I guess, in the Metal Gear Solid Four parlance. So um it's very interesting, but it definitely just something that sticks out to me now, considering where pop culture and our discussion of pop culture has kind of gone from there. Mm -hmm. I actually, um, I hate sex scenes in like TV shows and movies. Like I actually like have to ask people like, is there, so have you seen Squid Game? <laughs> I have not. I'm probably the only person who has not, but feel free at no, this point. It's no. Yeah, go so ahead. there is a scene right in the show and I didn't even know about it. I went into it completely blind, but I had to push through cause the show was that good. Please watch it. Um, there's only one scene, but like it's, it's stuff like that where it's like, I, I got through the scene. I was like, ugh, but I hate them because it's like, what point do they serve unless it's like the only scene that I can think of? And this is a huge segue and we can move on after this, but the only sex scene I've ever seen in a movie that actually was intrinsic to the plot was in Midsommar and that's it. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a great, that's a great call. Midsommar is a great. Yeah. A great I love that. that. I've seen that movie like over 50 times. I love it. So um, you, um, as we mentioned, are currently doing a uh, Metal Gear podcast of your own called Shadow Moses Cafe. Yes, sir. With Joran Lee, a.k.a. Futura Sound or Futura Sound. I call it Futura Sound. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of dumb, so I, I called it Futura <laughs> Sound before dumb. I realized, oh, this is supposed to be Future Sound. <laughs> um, but I'm, I've mentioned him in our very first episode um, and a couple of times since then. But Joran's YouTube channel is a big, big reason why um, I started this podcast with Brian. Um, early in the pandemic, so going back, I, I guess, almost two years now, um, is when I started revisiting all the Metal Gear Solid games. I had I spent a lot of time with Metal Gear Solid V. I think I've logged at least 500 hours so oh, far yeah, with that we're, game. Oh, yeah, we're around the same. I think I'm, I'm almost close to 800 yeah, geez. Yeah. Um, I assume I'm going to jump another 200 when we get to it for the podcast. <laughs> and um, so uh, back, you know, this would be like then, you know, early, mid 2020, I started revisiting all the Metal Gear games, or at least all the ones I could revisit. I'm not an emulator guy. I'm not super techy. So it's basically been uh, starting with Sons of Liberty and everything after that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I found his YouTube channel. And that's 
it's like I found someone who uh, Jordan does work that's like well above anything I've ever done or thought about, but it's at least someone who talks about these games in a way that actually resonates with me um, because he has that same kind of critical lens um, that ability to find the subtext or even the sub sub subtext, like mm-hmm. beneath, beneath three to four layers of, you know, story or audio cassette recordings and all that. Um, so can you talk a little bit about working with Joran as well as your mission with uh, Shadow Moses Cafe, which is a kind of is a character driven Metal Gear podcast, whereas mm-hmm. we're kind of driven by the story as it's laid out and in the game's release order. You guys are kind of working through it through character, yeah. um, which I think is a really great angle to do it. So I want to take first the call to action. Joran does not have as many followers as he deserves. He is the and I'm talking the, with a capital T, Metal Gear Solid historian. This is his job. Like, mm-hmm. his YouTube channel, which is completely dedicated to Metal Gear, is his job. That's how he makes his living. And he is damn good at it. If you're listening to this, go to Futura Sound's Twitter page and give him a follow. Uh, he completely deserves it. And everything he puts out is gold. I feel like I struck gold when I made friends with Joran and I was the same way. I found his videos on YouTube the other day or not the other day. What am I talking about? The uh, like <laughs> last year I found his videos, right? The other day. I say that about everything. Please forgive me. It's all right. Time but, doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. Time oh, after the pandemic. Yeah. There's just, it's, we've been in pause for a year, but last year, the other day I found his videos and I was blown away, especially his, what the hell happens in Metal Gear Solid V um, and most stuff I knew, others I didn't. And I lost my damn mind when I went through his entire series for that. And then I replayed all of V with what he had told me that was now new. It's a completely different game after you listen to his video essay. It's, it's insane. So when I finally followed him on Twitter, like right after I binged all of his videos, I followed him on Twitter and then I, he followed me back and then, uh, I DM'd him and I was like, you are amazing. I cannot believe like all this work you put into it and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yeah, this is actually my job. And I was like, oh my God, I want to be you. Um, technically I am because I'm a housewife and I don't have a job. And this is like the only thing I do. <laughs> um, the way I'm making money is through the Patreon. So thank you everybody who's supporting us, by the way, if you're a Patreon of Shadow Moses Cafe, thank you so much. Um, but when I, when I learned that he was, you know, his entire meanings of living is by doing these video, these amazing video essays that are, he's like an expert in history. Uh, he reads all these books, segues everything that happens in metal, which is my favorite thing in the world, by the way, he segues everything that happens in metal gear to like real world events. I think that's the best part about metal gear um, is that everything is connected to real world actions and like, mm-hmm. and the things that happen to metal gear even like happens in the future from, from here onwards stuff that happens in the news i can be like oh man this is just like this which makes me sound kind of corny but at the same time like a lot of metal gear is very history driven and a lot of like repeated history right um so when i finally came to him um and this was a slog to get started shadow moses cafe because i didn't know what i was doing i had never done a podcast before i'd only listened to a couple of podcasts I thought it was just going to be like us recording. Oh, yay. This is so fun. And then we just upload it. And then Jordan was like, okay, now I got to take a week to edit this. And I was like, oh my God. And our upload schedule is, is, is slow, but 
at the same time, the episodes that are coming out are so high quality. Like I wouldn't want it any other way because Joran puts, Joran edits all of our, um, episodes. Um, it's literally, we're literally a two man group. I do all of the social media and he does all of the editing. And then I also post, it's just us. And it's hard, but at the same time, it's so rewarding because so many people have come to us and we're, they're like, Oh my God, I love your podcast. I didn't know this about this character. I've learned so much. And it's, it's stuff like that that keeps me going because it, it gets me excited for every other new character. Like any new character that comes out just gets me more and more excited. And then we had Christopher Randolph on, which I think was my most awkward interview in the world because I talked to him like I talked to him all the time, which is like a friend. And right. I feel like I kind of like fumbled the bag there because I could have, I should have been more professional and he thought it was great, but I was sitting here like, I should have been more professional with you. Um, I'm going to try to do that with David, be a little bit more professional, but I did it. Like I was like, we're, we're friends. He follows me on Twitter. So I was like, and we talk all the time and I was like, you know, the blah, 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 blah. And people thought I was kind of annoying. So I'm going to try to like dial it back, but I, I ramble a lot and I do my best, but this is kind of just how I am and how I operate. And I have so much to say about Metal Gear and I'm excited to say it. Um, and I think Jorn is like the perfect, like, like yin and yang right here. Mm -hmm. Um, because he's super calm down to earth. I like that I can make him laugh, which is really good. Um, but I'm like the most eccentric, excited person. And then he's like, the muted, calm, like super um, history, historic person, which I like. And when I brought up wanting to do the podcast with him, he immediately said yes. I was like, wow. Because <laughs> I, I, I was like a big fan of him. So I didn't think that he would act like we had gotten to talking for a while. And so we were good friends, but I was still a big fan of his. And so when I brought it up, I didn't think he'd be like, oh, well, I'll think about it. That's what I expected was I'll think about it. And then radio silence, he immediately said yes. And I wanted to cry because I was like, oh, man, this is going to be so good. And it was and it still is. Yeah, your your podcast both has high production quality and high content quality, uh, for lack of a better word. It's just fantastic. Thank um, I, you. I could honestly just listen to you two just talk and shoot the shit on metal gear and <laughs> um despite having actual topics and things you're supposed to talk about in the episodes um when you guys get off on your tangents and just start going off about it it's great because um i think both of you uh not just jordan but you as well you're able to find stuff that you know i like i said i've spent 500 hours with metal gear solid v and i'm still finding out new stuff from the way you guys talk about venom or cause mm -hmm. or anything else going on um so i i, I think it's probably the best stuff that's in the fandom. I, I'm not saying that to denigrate anyone else. Cause I think there's so many great people creating great stuff in our oh, yeah. community um, over at the Kojima frequencies, a great, great podcast. Yeah, and Kojima our Frequency. friend Apache smash is on there and he's always posting fun stuff. Um, but I, I it's, it's really just like this. It's the kind of work that inspires it, it. Like I said, it inspires me and I'm sure if shadow Moses cafe was around last year when I first got into the podcast as well, I would, be holding it in equal regard. And, you know, I love your podcast. So Aww, um, thank you. it's definitely, um, it's definitely like the peak of the fandom, at least in the sense that it engages with the material in the same way I want to engage with the material. And, you know, I hope we do on this podcast as well. Um, but it's, 
it's just, it's such a deep mind to, you know, dive into and pull mm. stuff out of. And, um, the way that he's able to pull stuff about Russian history oh, yeah. or, you know, compare it to the movies that are coming out. And, you know, his YouTube channel runs the whole gamut of this is how Metal Gear Solid, you know, borrows from Godzilla. And then like his recent Skullface series, I can't even say the name of the Russian politicians and literature people he's trying to, uh, you know, draw these connections with, but it's all just very rich. And it's just, the YouTube videos are like high, high production value, the way he's able to get clips, added the sound together. Um, and it's coming through in the podcast as well as you guys also love to drop clips in there um, and then talk about it. So yeah, um, it's, I definitely wanted the podcast to be that kind of like coffee table. That's why I called it cafe. I came up with the name Shadow Moses Cafe. I wanted it to be like brilliant. you and I got together at Starbucks and we just started talking. That's what I, that's the feel I wanted to go for. Um, I love this podcast because I was, I was kind of jealous. I was like, these guys know what the fuck they're talking about. Exactly. Like point, 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 point. And then like, we would just go off on Shadow Moses Cafe, but I love listening to this and I love speaking how I like to speak. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds here. I'm making a podcast that makes me happy. And then I listen to your podcast um, and I get like quick information. It's very fun to listen to. You guys are really funny and you guys are organized. <laughs> and I think I was a little jealous about that. I was like, I want to be more organized like them. Um, but I mean, in the end of the day, I, I'm super happy with, with how everything's going and shout out to the Kojima frequency. I love their podcast. They don't, mm-hmm. they also just put out merch. And so you got to go get your shirts and all that stuff. Um, we also put out merch too. wink, wink, nudge, nudge as well. I just got the hoodie and, and it's super soft. Super, yeah. super uh-huh. happy about that. We will uh, we will post links both to uh, Joran's YouTube channel, to Shadow Moses Cafe, as well as their Patreons, and we'll throw in a Kojima frequency in there. Um, I'm hoping to get Apache Smash, who I think is a regular host now. I know he kind of filled in for a little bit. Um, yeah. I think he's uh, permanently now part of the hosting crew there. So we hope to have him on this podcast as well uh, we had him the next on, month or so. We had him on when we talked about Olga, and it was so fun. He is mm-hmm. so funny. He's he actually just recently got world record in Metal Gear Solid Three. By the yep, way, yep, I think just yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, congratulations! Or yesterday, as of recording this, so yeah, congratulations. Uh, Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's totally fine. Yeah, uh, it's great. And the, honestly, I would say that you, Joran, and Apache Smash are like we talked about the Metal Gear community earlier, but like you three specifically are my gateway into it. So like, <laughs> I almost don't have any toxic you know metal gear fandom anywhere in my purview these days because it's just people i've connected to through you three specifically and you three are all wonderful people um i think back um in the mid 2000s um when i was still on facebook and i was still dumb and i'm like ooh, there's these metal gear solid fan groups um but it was mostly people just posting pictures of guns (laughs) and then occasionally some very right-wing stuff that oh that's "Eh." that's unfortunate in a metal gear space yeah, you would think that's like the antithesis. Or, Tell me you missed uh, the point without telling me you missed the point. There you go. So at, that kind of is like, well, maybe Metal Gear community isn't something that's bit, but, you know, for me, and this was like 2006, 07. So I'm oh, like, yeah. I, I can live with these games with myself and have a couple good friends who I talk about it with. But um, finding, um, you know, the YouTube channel, finding you guys on Twitter, all of that stuff has just really, um, really helped redeem the Metal Gear community for me. And it's not like it was, you know, 
that dire beforehand, but like people who truly want to connect and engage with the material and really pull some almost life affirming stuff out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, feels, feels really great. Uh, yeah. And that, you know, my, um, my Twitter header, which I haven't changed since I, like I put it up, which was, it doesn't have to be that way. I'm not like you. I love life as well as, um, the other quote, which I, I have two children and my daughter who's in school, she's actually recently getting bullied in school and she got in trouble mm-hmm. because she pushed a girl who was bullying her and she got in trouble. Romelia got in trouble for it. My daughter, Romelia, because she pushed and got physical and she goes really, really sad about that. I was really sad about that, but I told her the line and she didn't know it was from Metal Gear, but it was this, it's the line from Metal Gear Solid 2 where it's, you can stop being part of a mistake starting now which is a great mm-hmm. blank slate line that I love. And it, it cheered her up a little bit because like tomorrow's another day. You can just, you, you can stop being this and then tomorrow you can be better. And that's pretty much how she interprets that. Right. And it's lines like that and, and other instances in the game, moments in the game, lines in the game that have changed my life for the better. Feel like I've, I'm a better person, a better mother, Stuff like that. It's that sounds corny, but these games are extremely precious to me, and I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah, no, I second that. I think that's a you know probably a big reason both of us create Metal Gear Solid podcasts and whatever else because uh, they speak to me like they're, they're despite being you know maybe sometimes dour or there's a lot of tragedy and sadness in the story of metal gear solid i do think the ultimate message is very life affirming Mm. um or at least there's something positive to take away i still i consider solid snake and metal gear solid 2 like a philosopher king with everything he (laughs) says near the end oh my god Um, he was just he was bang 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 bangers it's like you're in the middle of this story that's a little bit confusing you're not sure exactly where the message is everything's kind of a mess like in a good way after you know the last act, but with regardless, how it's the the line you just said about you can start stop being part of the mistake right now, um, and then the whole thing about you know we got to fight for a better future and pass on music and literature and culture. Um, it just all those things are like yeah, the, this is kind of like the not politics, but like the ethos or philosophy I want yeah. to live by. It's also that that one line he also says like when they're walking out with the rifles right before you fight the Tengu. And he's like, you know, find something to believe in and pass it on. And then Raiden says, like, well, what, what am I supposed to believe in? And or what should I do? And then, like, you get this super philosophy, like, spiel from Snake, and you're like, damn, Snake, where's that coming from? But then Solid Snake kind of comes back, and he's like, that's your problem. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, there yeah. he is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a great way to like build the character without betraying the character. Yeah, um, it's amazing. So. Um, that's the end of my question. Is there anything else you want to talk about, whether Metal Gear Solid related or work you're doing or literally anything else? Well, I'm still doing the translations. I know they're super slow and I really apologize for that. I just put out chapter 13. I'm still reading chapter 14. Um, and it's a long chapter. Also, I guess I should preface that chapter 14 is the last chapter of section three. So after I get chapter 14 out, we'll be on section four and we'll move on from there. Uh, while we're here, just because I know, um, I don't know how to pronounce your Twitter handle. So do you want to give that to people? Because that's where a lot of your work can be found. Oh, yeah. So you can find me at, um, for my Twitter handle, at Shane Hinnant. Uh That's my maiden name. I know I go by Shane Smith, but mm-hmm. 
because I got married, but I haven't changed it since I made it. So it's Shane Hinnant, H-I-N-N-A-N-T. And yeah, I pretty much primarily only post Metal Gear stuff. I'll post like, you know, a meme here or there or like a political thing here or there. But the 99% of my Twitter page is Metal Gear. So if you're new and you haven't seen me around before, uh, I implore you to, and you like Metal Gear stuff, I implore you to follow me and you'll get a pretty steady stream of Metal Gear things. Yeah, and um, I'll obviously tag you um, when we go live with this episode. I also retweet your stuff a fair amount. <laughs> so if you're following me, you've probably seen uh, Shane's uh, tweets, if not already followed her already. So, um, And I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. So that's mission complete for this episode. Before we do our sign-off, Shane, let everyone know, again, where people can find and support you and your projects. Thank you. You can find me on Twitter at Shane Hinnant. You can also find our podcast, Shadow Moses Cafe, on Twitter at Shadow Moses Cafe. We also have a Patreon under the same name, Shadow Moses Cafe, uh, where you can go ahead and support us. We put out early episodes on our Patreon as well as notes that we take for our characters, our next episode coming up at the time of this recording is going to be Revolver Ocelot. Mm. And so if you would like to get a hold of the notes or hear the podcast early, a couple days early, you can go ahead and support us there and we'd be deeply appreciated. Uh, we also have Redbubble merch under the same name, Shadow Moses Cafe. And I'm extremely proud of this podcast project that I'm doing with Joran Lee, aka at Futurasound on Twitter. And that's pretty much it. You find me on Twitter and find me on Patreon. If you would like to follow me there, I'd be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for having me on because I was, you know, I was tickled when you like approached me and was like, uh, so I know your partner's moving, right? So mm-hmm. when you approached me, I was like, you know what? I would love to because I love your page and I love your podcast. And it made me tickled that you would consider me for your episode so thank you so much oh yeah absolutely and we'd absolutely love to have you on again whether as part of our regular episode or maybe just another check-in like this and we can see what's new how the metal gear solid v novel stuff is coming Mm -hmm. um because that's definitely something i've been following very intently especially as i'm gearing up for our eventual mgsv coverage so i would thank you again i would love to be in an episode for if you like tackle some of peace walker one of my favorite games Well, I know where you live now. (laughs) Um, Our frequency is podcastsonsfrontiers at gmail.com and at podsonsfront on Twitter and Instagram. You can support Podcast Sans Frontiers and all my other projects at patreon.com slash manuclearbomb, which, hey, that's me. I've been Manu. You can find me covering the Lord of the Rings over at my brother, my captain, my podcast. A uh, quick shout out to our sound editor, Stephen Boyd, aka DJ Empirical on Twitter. Please remember to like, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast application. So until next time, remember. Good morning, Metal Gear Nation. Woo! <laughs> oh, he-
That's pretty much it. You find me on Twitter and find me on Patreon at. Uh, give me a second. My phone's call. My phone's ringing. Give me a second. Hold you're on. fine. You're fine. Hello. We've been trying to, been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Uh, I'm sure that will be edited out.